Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm slash partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Realm presents The Vela Salvation, Episode 12. Nico was there, and then they were gone. And then they were there again, but not where they had been. Nico opened their eyes and blinked slowly as spots of light danced in front of them. Pain and terror seized them for a moment, an echo of what they'd felt as they splintered and were lost. And they pressed their hands to their eyes and whispered, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Their own hands and their own eyes, heartbeats, and breath. They were in their own body again, but how? How had they come back? Nico stood on slightly shaky legs. Where was Lee? Where was the lab? This wasn't... They froze. The imposing desk across from them, with its wood panels and scrupulously tidy paperwork, that was... It was... It was their father's desk. Nico. Nico's heart pounded as they turned around and faced their father, President Ekram. There he was, exactly as Nico remembered him. You're dead, Nico stammered. Ekram nodded. I am. Nico swallowed hard. Am I dead too? Not yet. Then why... What? The words wouldn't come. Nico took a deep, shaky breath, but their heart wouldn't slow down. After all this time, after everything that had happened, it was too much to see their father again. Staggering on legs that still felt wobbly, they dropped into the chair on the other side of the desk where they had sat so many times under their father's stern gaze. Not yet, he said. Nico wasn't dead yet. So this was, what, a middle place? Limbo? Somewhere beyond all this, Asala was alive. At least they hoped she was. And somewhere else, Lee was alive. 
Was he okay? What had happened to him? What had happened to Salvation, Anasala, and Hana after Nico had splintered and gone? Suddenly exhausted, Nico dropped their head into their hands. There was so much beyond whatever this place was, so much more than they could bear right now. They were tired. They felt their father's hand on their shoulder. I can't, Nico said. Whatever their father wanted from them, they couldn't give it. I just, I need a minute. It's okay, Ekram said, his voice kinder than Nico remembered it in life. I'm not going anywhere. Take all the time you need. Nico raised their head. But you did go, Dad, they said, and oh, how they hated the wobble in their voice as they said it. You left me behind. I know what happened to you. I know why Asala did what she did. And I get it, I do. But you could have told me. You could have talked to me. But you didn't. You just left me. They knew there was more pain and rage in their voice than Ekram probably deserved for the mere act of dying. But the floodgates had opened, and Nico didn't know how to put all those feelings back in a box. They'd spent a lifetime chasing their father's praise, acceptance, love. They had tried so hard, twisted themselves into knots to be what they'd hoped would be enough. No more. Nico was too tired, too hurt, and had grown far too much in the past months to keep playing that game. They were so done with trying to think and feel and be the way other people expected them to. Rising to their feet, Nico looked President Ekram in the eye. I don't know why you're here, Dad, they said. But you can go. I don't need you anymore. To their surprise, a small smile flickered across their father's face. I know, said Ekram. I'm not here because you need me, Nico. I'm here because I need you. That threw Nico right off. You what? There is so much I never said to you when I was alive, their father went on. So much I should have said. You may not need to hear it, Nico, but I need to say it. That's why I'm here. To ask that you listen to me one last time, so that I can say what I should have a long time ago. There was a part of Nico that wanted to say it was too late, and they had no interest in anything their father had to say anymore. But there was another part, a bigger part, that wanted to know. An echo somewhere of the child who had wanted nothing more than their father's love, and of the young adult who had almost given up hope that they would ever get it. Okay, they said. I'm listening. I'm proud of you, Ekram said simply. I always have been, and I regret deeply that I didn't take the trouble to show it. You have always been the strongest and bravest person I know, Nico. Where others shrank, you stood tall. Your brothers had an easier time growing up, I know that. But you were the one who stayed upright, even when it was hard. I'm proud of that, and I'm proud to know that even after I was gone, my child fought so hard for what was right. Right. 
Nico's mouth opened and closed like a fish out of water. Why didn't you ever say this to me? They asked, their voice little more than a croak. I wish I could answer that, said their father, sighing. I don't know, Nico. I've fucked up. I should have said it sooner, and I'm sorry that you're only hearing it now. I'm proud of you, and... He hesitated, his voice breaking as though the words did not come easily to him. And I love you. Something cracked open inside Nico, a hard knot of pain that had grown and calcified over the years. As it crumbled away, tears crept down their cheeks, and when Ekram reached out his arms to hold Nico, Nico gripped him back fiercely. Is it over then? They asked, hands clenched in the fabric of Ekram's coat. Do I come with you now? If that is what you want to do, yes, Ekram said quietly. But I don't think it is what you want, Nico. No matter how tired you are from the battles you fought, I think you want to experience what's on the other side of them. There's so much more life left for you to live, and I don't want you to miss it. Lee sprang to Nico's mind, those beautiful brown eyes and that grin on his face, and a solid too, so cold and hard and hurt. They needed Nico. Nico needed them. Okay, they said. I'll see you again, Ekram promised. I love you, Dad. And Nico smiled and went home. Nico was gone. It was the refrain that kept Asala company day after day, and there wasn't much she could do to escape it. She was used to loss, so she had done what she always did and gotten on with things. After all, she was haunted by Ekram and Oba already. What was one more ghost? But Nico's ghost was tenacious and gave her no peace. After the crash and the dismantling of Uzochi's forces, there had been a lot to do. The soldiers who had joined Uzochi's mutiny had to be disciplined, and while Hana was occupied with that thankless task up in orbit, she had asked Asala to restore order to the ground camp. With Neve's help, Asala had done as she was asked. While Neve explained the fungus situation to the other scientists, and they put their heads together to brainstorm how they could continue to live on salvation without disrupting the ecosystem even further, Asala found ways to turn their ideas into viable solutions. Bearing the fragility of the ecosystem in mind, supply runs had to be reorganized, food sources had to be adapted, there needed to be limits placed on hunting and fishing, expansion had to be confined only to certain areas. Most days, Asala had a raging headache from trying to make sense of it all, and she took only small comfort from the fact that keeping busy also kept her sane. Get some rest, Neve told her more than once, but that was much easier said than done. I will, Asala said every time, but the look on Neve's face told Asala her friend didn't believe her. 
every now and then, Asala came across Jude. He'd kept to himself since they returned from the defector camp, haunted by whatever he had done to his friend before the evac. And in spite of the fact that she didn't like him much, Asala felt an odd kinship with him. She, of all people, knew what it was to try and fail to outrun your guilt. Once Hana had stabilized the situation in orbit, she flew down to Salvation to check in with Asala. It was nice to work side by side with her sister again, but Asala found that there wasn't as much happiness in it as she had once hoped there would be. Grief, guilt, and blame lay too heavily between them and on her. No matter what she did, and no matter how busy Hana kept her, there was no escaping what Asala knew to be true. She had failed Nico again. She had lost them again. After she had betrayed and abandoned Nico the first time, she had tried to throw herself wholly into the future she wanted to build for herself and Hana. Even so, it had been so easy to get attached to Oba, who had been so much like Nico. Then she'd failed Oba, too. You're dangerously close to moping, her sister said, surprising her one evening outside Neve's lab. Asala cut Hana a sharp look, irritated. I don't remember telling you not to mope when we first came through the wormhole without your family. Regret flashed across Hana's face. I don't mean to belittle your grief. I know the kid meant a lot to you. She paused. They saved us all, Asala. They died with honor. They shouldn't have had to die at all, Asala wanted to say. What are you doing here, anyway? She asked instead. I thought you were heading back to orbit for a few days. Hannah blinked. I did. I'm back. Asala squinted into the setting suns and rubbed the bridge of her nose. Had it really been a few days since she'd last seen her sister? Grief, poor sleep, and a whole lot of messes to clean up had completely warped her sense of time, leaving her wrong-footed and exhausted. Get some rest, Anna said, her brusque tone not quite hiding the very real concern in her face. Asala retreated to her hut on the other side of the camp with the rest of the living quarters. Unlike the scientists and settlers, who had more or less turned their huts into homes, hers was still bare, with little more than the functional cot, desk, and clothes rack that had been here when she moved in. She had very few possessions, and in any case, she didn't see the point in trying to make this place a home. She had finally accepted that nothing would ever feel like home again. She peeled off her arm cannon and stripped off her jacket, revealing crimson fungus spores all the way up her right arm. Even now, even knowing the fungus meant her no harm, it was hard to resist the visceral revulsion, the instinct to scrape it away. She didn't. Instead, she looked away, kicked off her boots, and slumped into her cot. She expected sleep to be a struggle, if it came at all. So she was surprised when her eyes drifted shut and she was out cold in moments. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwein, 
erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. It was that dream again. The one where Nico appeared, and for just one fraction of a moment, she thought they were real. Crushing disappointment quickly followed the brief flare of hope, both familiar by now. But this time, Nico didn't follow the well-worn script. This time, Nico had red mushroom spores all along their left arm, mirroring Asala's right, and they asked for help. I can't help you, Asala told them with a bitter laugh. I tried that, remember? All I do is mess you up. I am not Nico, Nico said. But I will help you get Nico back if you help me in return. For a moment, Asala was confused, foggy. The dream felt like sand slipping between her fingers. Too strange to get a firm grip on. Then, quite suddenly... Understanding swept over her. She couldn't have explained how, but somehow she just knew. You're the fungus, she said, stunned. Yes. How are you speaking to me? How do you know our language? I learned through memory. The person that was not Nico replied. That is how I communicate and maintain the balance of this planet. That is why I have been in your dreams since you and your kind first came here. Asala turned away. Her hands clenched at her side as she tried to process this. You killed Oba, she said quietly. I did not intend that, not Nico said, in a voice that held just the faintest regret. I did not understand human emotions at first I wanted only to remind you of a powerful memory so that you might trust me and listen to me. But I did not realize at first that some memories are powerful for unhappy reasons. I see now that you saw me as hostile when I was in fact only reaching out. Asala parsed this piece by piece. Could she trust it? This entity that had played such a part in Oba's death and haunted her ever since she came here? But then it had also intervened when it seemed she and Hana might kill each other, saving them both and what was left of their relationship too. And Nico, who was smarter than almost anyone Asala knew, had trusted it. There was an instinct deep in her gut that told her to follow this path no matter where it took her. But first, a few answers. What do you mean when you say you can get Nico back? The question came out sharper than she'd intended, jagged with that terrible hope. I said I could help you get Nico back. The fungus replied in Nico's voice. Nico is not dead. Their consciousness is fractured, but it survives and it can be retrieved. A small sound slipped out of Asala's mouth. The synthetic bodies Nico used were not designed to withstand more than a few hours of use. But I can create organic matter. With my help, 
you can use the same blueprints Nico used to generate organic permanent bodies. Once there is a body for Nico, I can use your memories of them to retrieve their consciousness and implant it into the body. That's all you need to retrieve a consciousness, no matter how far away it is, Asala asked incredulously. Just memories? I can detect the unique signature of the atoms in a particular memory and trace that signature to its parent source, said not Nico. When Asala stared blankly, Nico's eyes rolled in an achingly familiar way. In simpler terms, yes. I can trace any consciousness as long as I have access to a memory of the person or creature it belongs to. Hana's family. Asala's heart clenched. There was still a small part of her that wanted to keep her sister to herself, but she knew what she needed to do. Her selfish dreams were irrelevant in comparison to her sister's happiness and her own absolution. After everything she had done and failed to do, it was the least she could do. Will you retrieve others? She asked quietly. Like my sister's wife and her children? Yes, said the fungus. I will retrieve as many others as you wish if you help me in return. But the planet's ecosystem, Asala objected, confused. If we bring more humans here, won't that throw the balance off? Wasn't that why you reached out to us in the first place? I believe I have a way around that, not Nico said. You and your scientists will still need to maintain the measures you've implemented to minimize your impact on the planet's ecosystem. But in addition to that, I can configure the new printed bodies so that they do not have the genetic marker that has caused the most disruption. You are saying the new arrivals will be able to live in balance with the ecosystem? Asala said, trying to follow the fungus's reasoning. That is correct. After a pause, she asked the inevitable question. You said you'd do this in exchange for my help. How can I help you? Nico's face considered her for a moment, with eyes that were more solemn and more ancient than Nico's had ever been. At last, the fungus said, I need a host. A host? My purpose is to help life thrive on planets that are otherwise dying, Nico's voice said. I maintain stable ecosystems and ensure that native species flourish. I cannot do that, however, without a human host to transport me. There are dying planets all over this star system and beyond. I can save them with your help. Asala thought not just of Nico and Hana's family, but also why their treacherous journey on the Vela had been necessary in the first place. Their son had been dying back on Ganda and Hypatia and Camp Gala, and life in those worlds had been dying too. It had been the dying of that life that had prompted so much of the horror that they'd all experienced. The cruelties, the tyranny, the refugees... 
scientists like Uzochi had been warped by their obsession with finding a new, better world. Presidents like Ekram had given up bits of their humanity to maintain order. And people like Asala, the soldiers, and the police forces and the authorities had done terrible things in the name of following orders, and then in the name of rebellion. Asala knew that the impending destruction of their planets was no excuse for the atrocities she'd seen and been a part of. But there was cause and effect. And now, here was an opportunity to prevent that from happening in other worlds, on other planets. Here was a chance to not just make up for what she did when she left so many behind during the evac, but also to make up for everything she had done before. Redemption. The fungus was asking for a favor, but Asala knew it was also offering her a gift. What do you need me to do? She asked. Asala didn't tell anyone what she had agreed to. It wasn't that she wanted to keep it a secret exactly, but more that she was still sure that this would all fall apart like everything else had, and she couldn't bear to offer Hana hope, only to snatch it away. There was not much left of Uzochi's lab in orbit, she knew, but she remembered the lab and equipment she'd seen in the defector camp back when she, Neve, Jude, and Oba had made that first trip. It was a neat solution. The fungus was most concentrated there in the mountains, so she needed to go there to complete the process of becoming its host. It was fitting that that was where she'd also be able to retrieve the 3D printer and equipment she'd been told she needed to generate organic bodies. You will not feel very different from the way you do now, the fungus had told her before she woke from the dream. As my host, you will carry me with you, as you do on your arm now, and my consciousness will be a part of yours. We will be able to communicate even when you are awake. But, she had prompted, knowing it could not be that easy. Becoming a host will take a toll on your body, the fungus had replied. It will take years off your lifespan. How many years? Twenty, perhaps thirty. It is an imprecise science. Asala had not balked. Losing a third of her life seemed like a small price to pay for redemption. She waited until the camp was quiet the next day, with almost everyone either working or in the mess hut, and then she quickly packed one of the jeeps with supplies for a few days. Then, before Hana could find and question her, she got into the jeep and drove away. There was something haunting about the journey back across the purple plains, through the dark amethyst forest and up into the cold, steep mountains. Every passing mile brought a new memory. Oba's grin, Jude's hands around Neve's neck, the nightmare of Nico crumbling into red ash, that last terrible night by the water. Memories of how Asala had failed. They pushed her to drive faster, teeth clenched, determined to make it right in the only way she could. Splashes of red became more and more frequent as she made her way into the mountains, 
the purples broken by crimson mushrooms and dusty spores in the air. This time, Masala didn't find it frightening. Instead, she could feel that presence from her dreams grow closer. A nebulous, intangible benevolence and sense of purpose that she clung to. She followed the fungus' instructions, stopping the jeep at the base of the defector camp and getting out to approach the edge of the mountain. There was a carpet of spores there, blooming red mushrooms scattered across the ground, and she knelt down and dug her hands deep into the earth. There she fell asleep, and when she woke, she could feel that she wasn't alone anymore. The fungus had told Asala that they would be able to communicate once she became its host, and that was true. It wasn't the communication of speech or language, but more an instinctive understanding. Without needing to ask, Asala knew what it wanted and what it was telling her. Words weren't necessary. It was unnerving, but also exciting. For the first time in a long time, Asala felt like the path in front of her was clear, and she wanted to follow it. After collecting a few dozen samples of the fungus to transplant to dying worlds, Asala sought out the 3D printer and the blueprints that Nico had left behind. She made her way into the defector camp warily, but it seemed the fungus's presence on her and within her was enough protection. The scientists who'd imprisoned her before, Kenya and the others, ignored her as she moved among them. She found the 3D printer in one of the makeshift labs, along with the blueprints. She would disconnect the equipment and transport it all safely back to ground. But not until she'd brought Nico back. She had to know it would work. She had to do this here, alone. Almost alone. Asala was no scientist, and she had absolutely no idea what she was doing. But she followed the instinct in the back of her mind, letting the fungus point her the right way. She flipped switches, turned dials, and input long sequences of numbers that made no sense to her whatsoever. Some she took from the blueprints, others she got from that presence in her mind. And eventually it was time to press the final button that would generate a new body. She pushed it and stepped back, her heart pounding as she watched steam and lasers fill the clear chamber where the body would be generated. Between flashes of light, she caught a glimpse of an arm, a leg, a familiar shock of hair, an ear. Hope and fear battled inside her as she watched an entire human being take shape inside the chamber, piece by piece, until the light faded and the chamber clicked open. Steam feathered up from the body, and a faint sizzling sound faded into nothing. Asala swallowed hard at the sight of Nico, the Nico she remembered so well, this new body identical to the one they'd had before. She gathered up the faded old clothes she'd found in an abandoned hut and dressed the body awkwardly, feeling the unnervingly real weight of skin and flesh in her hands. Then, when she knew she couldn't put it off any longer, she forced herself to take the final step, to find out if this really had worked or if she had come this far and hoped so hard for nothing. She connected two nodes to either side of the body's forehead 
and flipped a switch. Nico's eyes flew open. Asala? They croaked. Nico took big, gulping breaths of air, their heart racing. Asala's hand on their shoulder kept them steady, even as they blinked in the familiar bright light of a 3D printer's chamber, and they let themselves lean into her as they tried to come to terms with dying, not dying, and coming back. They weren't surprised that Asala was the first person they saw. She had, after all, been with them when they had splintered and left their synthetic body behind. They were surprised that she'd figured out how to print a new synthetic body and retrieve their consciousness, which they had been sure was lost for good. But it looked like she'd made use of Lee's blueprints. But when Nico staggered upright onto wobbly legs, shock almost knocked them over again. A heartbeat. Their own hands. Their own legs. How? This is organic, they said stupefied. Their voice was rough in its newness. How did you generate an organic body? Is it... is it permanent? Asala looked exhausted, the brown skin under her eyes almost purple now, but she cracked a smile. No more falling apart, she said. This one's yours to keep, kid. It's good to see you. Somehow, impossibly, Nika was alive and they were here in a body that looked exactly like their own, in a world that wasn't dying. There would be no more of the painful, traumatic glitches they'd experienced in synthetic bodies. There would be no more horrors in the old world. They were safe. They were here. But how did you... Nico trailed off. The fungus? Asala nodded. She reached into the pack she'd dumped on the dusty table beside them and pulled out a flask. Drink, she said. Sit. Then I'll explain. So Nico drank thirstily and sat down because their legs really weren't yet ready to hold them up for long, and listened as Asala told them what had happened since the battle with Uzochi. Asala told them about the dream of the Nico who hadn't been Nico at all, and the bargain she had struck with a sentient fungus and what she was going to do now that she had brought Nico back. In growing amazement, Nico watched her lay her future out. She would bring over everybody they could from their old world, like Lee, and she would trust that Hana would make sure they were safe and settled. Then she, Asala, would depart with the fungus to seek out worlds that would die without help and star systems that needed life, and she would help the fungus save them. Nico listened as she told them this, her tired eyes brighter than they'd ever seen them. But that's a little way off, she finished at last, rubbing the bridge of her nose. First, we need to get all this equipment back to ground and start bringing people over. It's a kind of chain migration, Nico said thoughtfully. What's that? Nico explained. The fungus uses memory to retrieve a consciousness, right? That's how you brought me back? So essentially what we'd be doing is creating a chain of memories for the fungus to use, one after another. Like, for example, my memories of Lee will bring Lee over, and then Lee's memories of other people will bring them over. And that will work for multiple chains of people, Asala went on, understanding. Like, 
your memories of Lee will start a chain, but Hannah's memories of her family will start another. As more people cross over to this system, the fungus will be able to use their memories to bring others over and so on. Exactly. It's clever. Nico took another sip of the hot, soothing tea in the flask. It could be months before the migration ends, Asala. Then it will be months, Asala said quietly. And when it's done, whenever that is, I leave. Nico looked at her, their heart aching for their hard-wounded friend who had betrayed them and yet was fighting so hard to make it right. It would take a long time for them to completely forgive her for what she'd done, but they knew they would. Seeing their father in that nowhere place had brought one thing home to Nico. The people you loved mattered more than anything else, and Asala was one of the people Nico loved. Are you sure this is what you want to do? They asked her now. It's a good thing to do, going out into the stars and saving worlds from the same fate ours suffered, but it sounds like a lonely life. No lonelier than the life I'm living now, kid, she said with a slightly crooked smile. There's nothing left for me here. Once I put right what I did to you and Hannah, I have to move on. Nico didn't press the subject. They knew Asala well enough to know she wouldn't change her mind, and in any case, did Nico really want her to? What kind of person would they be if they tried to stop her from doing a good thing? Okay, they said. How can I help? Hannah stood at the edge of the ground camp, her palms sticky with sweat and her heart thrumming so fast it hurt. She had walked away from Neve's lab as soon as Asala had confirmed that the fungus had gotten what it needed from her memories. Maybe she should have stayed to watch the bodies take shape in the 3D printer to be the first person Mia saw if this whole batshit plan worked. But she couldn't bear it. She couldn't bear to be there when Asala turned worried, regretful eyes to her and said she was sorry, but it wasn't working. She couldn't bear to let them see how much it would hurt. There had been a lot of yelling when Asala had come back in the stolen Jeep, bringing with her a whole lot of equipment, and, impossibly, Nico. Hana remembered shouting things like, What were you thinking?, and every time I think I can trust you, you go and do something else. And what stupid, shitty thing have you done now? Guilt and shame lay heavy in her heart, like stones weighing her down. Asala had said nothing, letting Nico step in and explain. But Hannah didn't think she would ever forget the look on her sister's face. I'm sorry, Hannah had tried to say, when she finally understood what it was that Asala was trying to do. But Asala had just smiled tightly, nodded, and said, I should get to work. Hana leaned her head against the camp fence, wood splinters digging into her skin. Whether or not this insane plan worked, Hana knew she had taken her rage and grief out on her sister for far too long. Asala had made mistakes, but so had she. It was time to move on in the little time they had left. And Mia and the girls? Hannah didn't know what to do. 
She wanted not to think about it, not to hope, because she could feel the weight of the grief crushing her, and she knew it would feel worse once the hope was gone. Asala had brought Nico back, so there was a chance she'd be able to bring Hana's family back, too. But Hana knew better than to rely on chances. She'd lost them. She'd left them behind. Maybe there was no other ending. And then, just as the lump in her throat threatened to choke her, Hana heard someone speak softly behind her. Hana? That voice. Hana trembled as she turned slowly, terrified that she was hallucinating, dreaming something. But there, smiling tentatively at her, dressed in whatever clothes Asala and Nico had been able to scrape together before the printing began, was Mia. Hana let out a sob and fell into her wife's arms. And some way across the camp, in a glass chamber leaking steam, Lee opened his eyes and Nico kissed him. It did take months to retrieve everyone they could possibly reach. In fact, it took a year because they had to slow down and wait until there were homes, jobs, and resources available for everybody. Communities formed and settlements expanded as scientists, refugees, farmers, soldiers, and children found new lives. Human life on salvation was flourishing, kept meticulously in balance with the native species. Orbit had been almost completely dismantled, with ships and troops settling on the planet with new paths charted ahead of them. Only a few ships remained in space, the Vela among them, and Hana had left a trusted crew in charge while she moved permanently to Salvation to start a new life with Mia and her daughters. Asala didn't have a place with them. They were eager to know her, and it was strange and wonderful to have nieces. But she was always conscious of the fact that she was on the outside looking in. It was almost a relief when it was time at last to go. She loaded up the starship she'd chosen, a robust, speedy thing with plenty of living space and even more storage. She took as much fuel, non-perishable food and water as she could carry, pillaging extra from the ruins of Uzochi's ship, and packed her few possessions into a single rucksack. She was aware as she worked of eyes on her, of scientists and settlers from the ground camp watching her, and she tried to ignore them. She wasn't interested in awkward goodbyes. But she couldn't ignore her sister. Hana found her just as she loaded up the last of her supplies, sealing the storage hatch shut. So this is it, Hana said softly. Asala squinted into the twin sons to avoid the painful emotion that had tightened her chest. I'll be back, she said. But they both knew it might be years, if ever. On the other hand, they would always be bound together. The fungus, their history, and their loyalty would keep them connected, no matter how far apart they were. Anna stepped forward and put her hands on Asala's shoulders, forcing her to look at her. Then she embraced her, hard and fierce. I love you, she said. Be safe, be well. Asala's throat was so tight she could barely speak. And I love you, she said. Live the best life you can. 
Anna stepped back, her face set, but her eyes glinting with what could only have been tears. She nodded briskly, as if to say, off you go then. Asala hesitated a moment longer. She wanted to say goodbye to Nico, and she was surprised they weren't here already. Oh, Hannah said, smiling suddenly. Don't worry, Nico said they'd only be a minute. And sure enough, there they were, running across the stretch of pale purple grassland between the camp gates and the shipyard. Lee was with Nico, the two of them grinning as they jogged up to Asala. They had packs on their backs. She blinked, confused. Had they brought her gifts? Sorry we're late, Nico said cheerfully. This one couldn't decide whether or not to bring his potted plants. I can't help getting attached, Lee retorted. And as you can see, I separated myself from them eventually. Hannah, yes, Lee, she said, rolling her eyes. I'll make sure they're looked after. The girls would love a few more plants for their garden. Asala tried and failed to understand what was going on. What are you talking about? She demanded. Why does Lee have to leave his plants? Are you going somewhere? All three of them looked at her like she was extremely unintelligent. Uh, yeah, Nico said. We're going with you. Nico, you can't. Can, said Nico, and will. I brought cards, Lee said, rummaging around in his pockets. You play cards, don't you, Asala? But, Asala, Nico said firmly, shutting her up. You don't have to do this alone, okay? We're coming. Why? It was a question that burst out of her mouth. After everything I've done, why would you come with me? Nico took her by the arm and took her to one side, a few steps away from Lee and Hannah. Look, they said more seriously. I thought for a long time that I'd hate you forever, that I'd never forgive you. But whatever you've done wrong, Asala, you've also done a lot right. That's more than I can say for a lot of the people I've known. I don't want to be angry anymore. I want to be happy, to enjoy the second chance at life you've given me, and to spend that life with the people I care about, okay? Okay, Asala said quietly. Okay, Nico said again, satisfied. They turned back to the others. Asala watched as Nico and Lee bounded into the ship, shoving each other out of the way and laughing like children. There was not much for Asala to do but follow them, her heart fuller than it had been in a very long time. She held up a hand to Hana, one last farewell before the ship's hatch sealed shut. As the engines hummed to life, Asala Siku followed the sound of laughter and walked into her future. You're listening to The Vela Salvation by Sangu Mandana, starring Robin Miles. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The Vela Salvation is written by Ashley Poston, Maura Milan, Nicole Givens-Kurtz, and Sangu Mandana. It is produced by Rhoda Bilyeza and executive produced by Molly Barton. Audio production, sound design, editing, and theme music by Amanda Rose Smith.